Welcome back, everybody. For those of you who've been watching the show who know me, you know that I can't stop talking about my favorite TV drama of all time. Yes, The West Wing. The West Wing, absolutely. Uh, those of you who guessed it, 10 points to you. Those of you who didn't, go back and rewatch all the videos. Um, and yeah, I'm rewatching the show right now, as a matter of fact. I'm rewatching all uh, all seven seasons. And I have this man who's in front of me on my TV screens almost daily. And it's surreal and an enormous honor to speak to Thomas Kopachi. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. Um, I definitely will dive into the uh, to the West Wing, but I kind of wanted to go back uh, because there are a few things that I, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of research before these. And there are a few things that I came across that were very interesting to me, and I wanted to ask you about them. So you were born barely a month after World War II ended. And yet, um, as soon as uh, you turned 18, uh, you joined the U.S. Navy. Were you drafted, or uh, was there part of you that really wanted to uh, to serve because you ended up going to Vietnam? Yeah, that's an interesting story. I was actually 17, 17. and uh, yeah, I had finished high school, and uh, my drama teacher in high school had wanted me to apply to the Pasadena Playhouse. Mm -hmm. to uh, continue studying at that time. The Pasadena Playhouse was uh, still uh, had an acting program. And uh, I didn't think of myself as becoming an actor. I didn't do well in school. My grades were very poor, mm -hmm. and except for the drama class and, and history. I always did well in history. Uh, and uh, you either in, in Tacoma, uh, Tacoma, Washington, you either went to college mm -hmm. or you had a job that you went to or you join the military. Hmm. So uh, I signed up to join the military and this was before the big push in Vietnam. Vietnam was sort of in the, in the news, but sort of in the back, you know, yeah. it, it was going on, but it, it Gulf of Tonkin hadn't happened yet. And so it was relatively quiet. And I didn't, wasn't even thinking about war or serving. I, I like to say I was uh, just a dumb kid. <laughs> I don't like saying that, but, uh, that seemed to be the only thing to do. I wanted to get away from home. I had uh, some problems at home. So I joined the Navy. And uh, then uh, I think within a year of my time in the service, the Gulf of Tonkin incident happened. And all of a sudden, I was shipped to the Western Pacific. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was an interesting time. I was a young guy. I thought I was serving my country and fighting communism. And it wasn't until... I got out of the service that I kind of woke up and realized what a what a horrible thing Vietnam was. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I take no pride in saying I served. I I'm proud of the people I served with. I met some wonderful people, but the, the war itself, I feel I have to say I feel some shame about it. And uh, no, not some shame. I feel a, I don't feel any pride in serving in the Vietnam conflict. Understand. And, uh, pardon? No, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, I think about it a lot and I think, uh, the, uh, I was a young guy. I was, uh, unhappy at home. I couldn't go to college and the military seemed like the, the way out. Mm -hmm. I joined the Navy to see the world and, uh, and then the war really kicked into high gear, and I, I was deeply involved with that. But uh, I got out unscathed. I wasn't in heavy combat zones. I was in uh, 
in some combat zones. I was in the on board a ship, mm-hmm. and I saw enough to teach me that uh, there's nothing romantic about war at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the maybe the only positive thing was that I got the GI Bill. And so when I got out of the service, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I thought, well, I could go to college and I uh, had the GI Bill to help me. And I was going to be an anthropologist. Hmm. I remember telling my mother and she said, nah, you're an actor. <laughs> but I did one semester of uh, studying anthropology and I took drama on the side hmm. and I didn't do well in anthropology. And the drama professor said, uh, well, you could still get the GI Bill and shift your major to drama so but I still didn't think I was going to become a professional actor I just was in school didn't know what to do and I had the GI Bill and I thought okay I'll make a decision at some point Hmm. and uh, then uh, I finished my four-year program at San Diego State my first two years I was at a junior college I went to a junior college and uh, then San Diego State and uh, I applied to some grad schools thinking well I like college, so see if I can go to a grad school in drama. Didn't get accepted at any of them. Wow. And then a buddy of mine told me about Cal Institute of the Arts. He said, it's a new school just opened up and they're offering financial aid. Mm-hmm. So I applied there and got accepted. And that's when I thought, oh, maybe I'll pursue this for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I came at it slowly. Yeah, well, it's you, you certainly went fast uh, kind of uh, from there because when you graduated, and then I think in 73, you went abroad uh, and yes. you started a, uh, a theater company in Amsterdam, uh, Netherlands. And then That's you turned the- Oh, you've done your research. Uh, <laughs> huh? I, uh, I met a drama teacher uh, it, at CalArts, Franz Marinen. Okay. And he had been part of the, uh, the uh, Grotowski, Jersey Grotowski group. And uh, then he left, when I started my second year in my MFA program, he went to Carnegie Mellon. And when I graduated, he wrote me a letter and he said, uh, I'm thinking of starting this theater company. Would you like to join? And I had no options. And I said, well, sure. So I went to New York and uh, from there we went to Europe and we were there on and off for about two years. It was quite a wonderful experience. I got to see places I never could could have afforded to go to on my own. Incredible. And um, so, again, you've, you've done stage, you traveled Europe, then you came back, uh, then kind of 10 years uh, passed, and uh, you're in, uh, you know, not far from me, I'm in Chicago, so you're in Indianapolis uh, with the Repertoire Theater, you know, doing some work, and then you finally get on screen. Um, and the question for me is, uh, what kind of made you uh, to change from theater uh, into doing uh, and trying out screen roles? Was it something that you were planning or it just kind of happened on its own? It, it kind of happened, but it was also financial. Uh, I, I was working at La Mama and mm-hmm. uh, would do, did some regional theater. And uh, friends were saying, you know, uh, do you really want to uh, increase your income and get off the day jobs? Because uh, in those days you do a gig, then you go to your day job. And I was, you know, a dishwasher, uh, I moved furniture one summer. That was probably one of the hardest physical jobs I ever did. Uh, and worked in a bookshop and different things to make a buck. And I thought, well, yeah, uh, how do I do that? And uh, so I uh, started auditioning uh, for uh, soap operas. And I got mm-hmm. cast in some soaps. 
and then then my agent uh, started submitting me for other television work. Yeah. But after a couple of years, uh, it seemed like all my friends were going to L.A. Yeah. And because uh, that's where the film and TV work was. So I thought, OK, I made the pilgrimage to L.A. And uh, a job here, a job there. But they started coming more frequently. And uh, somewhere in their West Wing happened. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll get to that. We're, we're still um, about a decade away from it. Yes, uh, we are. Yeah. Um, the, the movie Without a Trace you did with Judd Hirsch. And what I find uh, interesting, aside from you know, Judd being amazing, is that yeah. Stockard Channing was there. So uh, you, got to, uh, you got to see Stockard Channing. And then 10 years later, obviously, you would be in West Wing uh, together. So yeah. uh, kind of um, you know, life uh, telling you maybe what is going to happen down the road, whether you recognize it or not. Um, yeah. So you did uh, a bunch of uh, you know, guest roles. Um, you did films, you did theater, uh, and then you got to be on set, which made you one of the five people in the world that have uh, done seven different roles in this enterprise, which is Star Trek. So Star Trek. <laughs> when, when you got on there, did, did you have any inkling of, you know, aside from this is, this is great, uh, but this is something that I will be associated with for a long time to come. Was there any inkling of that? Not at the time, but the story about that is that when I did leave New York to go to LA, mm -hmm. I was a major Star Trek fan. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I said, if I don't do anything else, I've got to get a gig on Star Trek. And so uh, that, that was, my, some people say, I want to star in this, I want to be in that. I wanted to be on Star Trek Next Generation. So uh, I came out and I auditioned a few times and then finally got to be a Romulan mm -hmm. on, uh, I can't remember the title of the episode, The Next Phase. I and I played a, and it was the biggest thrill, but I had no idea that this would be a lifelong association <laughs> or yeah. that I would even do any other episodes. I just had that one gig and it was such a delight. And uh, I love wearing alien makeup. Put me in alien makeup, I'm a happy camper. Well, it's, uh, it actually goes uh, into some of the acting approaches that I wanted to ask you, but uh, that's good to know. I'll come back to that. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, kind of your next three movies uh, at that time was, you know, Star Trek Generations, uh, Leaving Las Vegas, a little movie that, uh, you know, Nick Cage was in, uh, Ghost of Mississippi. And then at the same time on TV, you did Law and Order, Melrose Place, and Murder, She Wrote. So 94 to 96, uh, at least to me, just looking on paper, seemed like a time when you, you know, kind of progressed to that next level of, okay, I'm in this and this is a real thing and uh, going from it. Did it feel like it? I'm sorry, I missed that. Did it feel like it to you? Did it feel like you've graduated to the next level as an actor? It did. And I remember talking, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember who I was talking to, but I said, yeah, this is it. I'm no more day jobs. And uh, that was a big thrill. And uh, yeah, I did feel this momentum picking up and I was feeling uh, quite thrilled about it all. And the jobs would be still very, Murder, She Wrote was so fun to work on. Angela Lansbury was a sheer delight. I remember our first entrance, uh, I'm off stage, I played this kind of evil butler and uh, 
we were waiting for the door to open. I was carrying her luggage and she started tap dancing. And she yeah. said, isn't this fun? Isn't this fun? And then the door opened and we began the shoot. And I'll never forget that. She, she, uh, she had the, uh, the, the right energy for it. But that was, uh, yeah, that was a key time because it, it dawned on me that this was going to be my life and uh, that I could earn a living at it, which is uh, all by itself a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so no more side jobs. And then we finally get to 2001 when uh, you became the Assistant Secretary of Defense, Bob uh, Sletterly, on my West Wing. Yes, it's mine because I've adopted it as my favorite driver. Um, yeah. How did that come about? Uh, and did you get a chance to uh, to you know, audition in front of my favorite casting director ever, John Levy? Yes, and uh, well, everybody associated with that show was terrific. But uh, I uh, auditioned, and the character was called the man in the gray suit. And for the first few episodes I did, I was referred to, I didn't get the name Slattery until a little bit later on when I started coming more regularly. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the night before the audition, the uh, my character had to name off these different cities in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And I was having trouble with the pronunciation. Mm -hmm. So I had a buddy who was great at that stuff. And I called him up and he said, come on over, I'll help you. And we went through all the different cities uh, that, with the kind of Arabic sound. Yeah. And so I showed up on set and uh, the situation room, and you probably heard this story, was famous for being sometimes the longest day because you had all this technical language and actors would go up on lines. And it was just like everybody's prepared for a long day when you're in the situation room. And so it came to my, uh, the camera comes to me and I'm talking to the president, naming off these cities mm -hmm. and uh, they cut and there was a pause and someone said, wow. And they looked at me and they said, that was marvelous. And then uh, Aaron Sorkin came down because he was yeah. on the set all the time and he shook my hand. He said, thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I wasn't sure what I had done. And they, they said, we were prepared to have to do these takes over and over and over again wow. uh, because of the complicated city names. And uh, so f I was happy. I had a wonderful day on the set. And uh, then the, uh, uh, about two weeks later, I got called. They said, they'd like you to come back. And then that began, uh, I think, 12 or 14 episodes, all because yeah. I said those names correctly. <laughs> yeah, 14 episodes over four seasons. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, and that's still one of the most delightful experiences. Uh, and I think the show holds up beautifully. But that was uh, that was quite a thrill. And to get a call to just say so you're you're used to getting auditions and uh, but to get a call and say, hey, can you be on the set in three days is just such a delight. And, uh, and over the four year period, that was really something. Yeah, and you continued staying very busy during that time. But um, in terms of West Wing, West Wing has a, a has a cadence. You know, Aaron has his way of of speaking and his way of moving. Uh, so you were, you know, one of the people who was there when Aaron was there, and then after Aaron left, did you notice kind of any palpable differences between how things ran uh, before and after? Yeah, a little bit. And some of the actors who were the regulars. Mm -hmm. We're, there were no complaints or anything like that, but it it did feel, how can I describe it? It was different, and uh, 
I don't want to say it was a little less fun uh, for me, for me. But it was still a marvelous show and they did great work. And I worked with some outstanding directors. Tommy Shalami was one of them and uh, some fabulous directors. But Mm -hmm. I kind of missed uh, that presence of Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, um, I, I, all of his shows that I have seen, they're, they're in my top, uh, you know, five list because it's, it's incredible. I just love that ability to come across with incredible intelligence, with Im- impeccable writing. It, it's impeccable. just such a combination that I still marvel at. And uh, um, the only part of me that's sad about uh, The West Wing is that I wasn't uh, acting during that time, and I didn't have a chance to uh, to be on it. So that's oh. that's my only regret uh, at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, it it was uh, really a truly wonderful experience. I think that when I think of my time in L.A. and there were some other wonderful things, I got to work with the Cohen brothers. My goodness, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the West Wing and the Star Treks <laughs> stay with me in my heart. Yeah. Um, what was uh, what was your favorite experience? Because the last thing on West Wing, what was your favorite uh, experience on the West Wing? I think I, just in terms of uh, storyline, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the title of the episode, but it was when we're sitting in the Situation Room and we're talking about maybe killing this uh, Omar Sharif with the uh, with the Omar exploding, yeah. yes, with yeah. the exploding uh, cigar. Yeah. And I think I presented that idea. And I, th- I think that, well, everyone was wonderful, but that one stayed with me because of what it was dealing with and the fact that there had been during the Kennedy administration that uh, mm-hmm. thought of doing Castro in that way mm-hmm. and how it was dealt with in the writing and how uh, Martin Sheen's character dealt with that. Yeah. So I, I'd say that was one of my, I'd say that's my favorite, yeah. It's amazing. Um, then again, you you've you have 137 credits, so you know we can go on for hours of me asking you about the things that I've seen you in. Um, uh, I I was going to start by saying that you know between us we have 141 credits, but I thought that's just stupid. <laughs> oh whoa, wow, good for you. <laughs> um, so in terms of uh, you know moving forward, and uh, I don't. You know, I didn't rewatch everything because I didn't have uh, as much time as I wanted to. But um, I don't know if you and Dulay uh, Hill, uh, I'm pretty sure that he was in some of your scenes or at least outside the Oval Office uh, when you were in there. But you get a chance to work with Dulay on my favorite comedy uh, of all time, which is Psych. Uh, you did uh, you did Psych. Um, what was that like? Because that's that's the other you know show that I have regrets of never being in. Good for your memory, because I had forgotten it. And uh, that was nothing but delight. Those two guys are so funny on and off camera. And uh, we had some wonderful conversations. And uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite shows uh, uh, at the time, too. I used to love watching that. My sister and I would talk about the episodes we'd seen and how funny they were. But I didn't uh, I hadn't done a lot of comedy. And of course, my character wasn't a comedic character, but uh, right. uh, it was a it was a treat to get to audition and then to get cast and go up and work with those guys, and they were really wonderful, wonderful to work with. Generous, warm, and welcoming. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Dulé is 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 one of those incredible people that 
he's traversed every one of my favorite shows ever. You know, uh, if if he ever shows up on Billions, he's going to he's going to complete that list. But you know, he's he's been on Suits, which is one of my favorite shows. He's been oh. on The West Wing. He's been on Psych. He's everywhere. I, I love Dulé. Um, definitely one of the people that uh, that I'm trying to speak with is is Dulé, so I can spend a few hours and ask him a bunch of questions. Oh my um, gosh, yeah. The the other thing that uh, that I uh, kind of didn't realize until a little bit later is that uh, Kristen uh, or Kirsten, um, who uh, who was the uh, also on West Wing, so she was on Psych, but she was uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, she was the younger you know version, the flashback version of uh, oh my god, uh, now I forgot the first uh, first secretary of of the president. Oh oh right right yeah oh, so. She played that role. I didn't realize that until much later um, when I started looking at it. I'm like, yeah, no wonder you looked so familiar to me on site because I've seen you before on West Wing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of, oh, that's, I didn't know that actually about that until, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, she did uh, a couple of episodes uh, there, you know, right, you know, kind of in the pivotal time uh, when, um, you know when the president was deciding whether he was going to run for the second uh, for the second term, and you know That's she true. died. So that was a you know I think one of my favorite moments of uh, one of my favorite episodes of the West Wing is when um, there was uh, the uh, I think they called the two cathedrals is the name of that episode, where right. for most of the episode uh, Martin didn't say anything, and I. I kept on waiting. I thought, okay, there's no way that this is not going to go somewhere. And at the very end, when he asked to clear the church, and then he had his conversation with God, that was the, one of the most powerful things I've ever seen him do. Wasn't that? Yeah. What a terrific actor. Yeah. Mark, yeah. What a terrific actor. Yeah. That's a powerful, powerful scene. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. scene. Um, all right. Let's let's uh, talk about some of the other things before I want to dive into uh, to kind of your acting method. Uh, you had a chance to uh, to work with uh, with Tom uh, Hanks uh, in uh, Catch Me If You Can and Leo uh, DiCaprio. Uh, yes. I love your scene there. It's still one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. Like, so we, much we... fun. I did get to work with Leonardo DiCaprio when he was a younger actor in uh, This Boy's Life. Yes. I didn't work with him, but he was uh, yeah. his story, of course. So, uh, oh yeah, that was a lot of fun. And Steven Spielberg. Uh, well, I'd love to work with him ever, if I ever could again. Uh, I was on set, and I was watching uh, uh, Christopher Walken and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio doing something, and I was getting ready to move into the office for my scene. Yep. And I felt this presence come up beside me and say, now look what we're going to do. I thought it was the first AD. Mm. And he said, you're going to go in there, and we'll sit you up. And then, uh, look, we're going to take, take your time, and we're going to do a lot of different takes, have fun with it. And I looked, and it was Spielberg, wow. <laughs> just speaking very mellow, and uh, and I was a little, whoa, Mr. Spielberg. But that's his energy. That was his energy on the set when I was working, and uh, yeah. just made me feel. Uh, again, it's so important when you're just a day or two on a show if you're welcomed, if you're made to feel welcomed and comfortable. And he did that in such a natural way. I just felt part of the family, and. Uh, he, it was a, a lot of fun, and uh, I, I'm glad you liked the scene. It's a fun scene. I and do. I, 
I didn't realize how much of that was accurate. Uh, I thought, well, they're making some exaggerations here, but no, this guy did that. He took over yeah. the French class in his high school. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, it's amazing, I, isn't it? I, I, I watched. Um, I watched um, the the actual uh, Frank. Um, his last name escapes me. Something with an alley. Um, Abigail, is it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched uh, him actually talk about it and uh, how you know he was going through it and how he was able to get away with it and uh, how he really wouldn't have stopped if it wasn't for uh, his wife, if it wasn't for you know that relationship that kind of changed his perspectives and what he wanted to do in life. So. Yeah. So interesting, and you know what he's done in terms of uh, you know revolutionizing the checks and working with the banking system. Uh, it's, it's astonishing, it's fascinating, fascinating uh, life story on its own. Yeah, there's a guy who could have been an actor and uh, decided to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he pro well, I, his impersonations. I mean, an airline, an airline pilot. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I still, to this day, you know, one of the one of the lines from the movie. I I steal lines from movies and I use them in everyday life because that's you know the type of person I am, and um, you know the doctor, 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 doctor. But from this movie, what I I stole is, do you concur? Do you concur? Do you concur? You know, when uh, when he was about to have the uh, you know uh, he was a doctor and he was on call and finally he had to do the operation and that's what he was uh, remembering from watching uh, and doing his research on TV. So I use the do you concur uh, still to this day. <laughs> yeah, right. quite a story. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's jump to uh, to John Oliver and uh, and your cowboy, which you did for five uh, five times. Um, I I knew at that time, and again, you know, I watched The West Wing a while ago, and then I rewatched it again. So you were fresh in my mind, you know, at that time. But when you did the cowboy. Uh, it took me it took me a half a beat to recognize who you were because you looked so familiar and I knew that I knew you I just couldn't remember where but that mm -hmm. cowboy bit that was just fantastic I, I'm wondering how that came about and did you get any blowback from uh, from people for it This business is so amazing because uh, sometimes yeah. you, uh, you you work on an audition you want that job you work so hard and then you don't hear anything and then there are these odd times where you get a phone call yep. and I got a phone call uh, saying, would you like to do something on the John Oliver show? Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, well, I didn't audition. They said, no, no, no. Uh, this is the, this is the general idea. And they told me about the, the cowboy. Yep. And I said, uh, I didn't audition for this. And they said, that's fine. No, no. They, they, they'd like you to come in and do this. So I said, can I think about it? Now, this is the John Oliver show, but I was so thrown and they said it's sort of an infomercial thing. And I was a, didn't know what to make of it. My wife said, what are you, crazy? Of course you're going to do it. <laughs> Thank yeah. God for my wife, uh, my dear, dear wife. So anyway, I, I went in and uh, sat down and uh, talked with uh, the director. And uh, I thought, OK, I got this. And I worked on a, an, an accent for it. And uh, and then we shot it, and I thought, okay, that was fun. And uh, next thing I know, I'm doing it again. Every now and then, I get a phone call. Can you come in and do it? And they usually shot on Saturday in a separate little studio off the off the set. And the very last one I did, uh, I got to be on the set for the final show of the season. And Mr. <laughs> Mr. Oliver had called in 
thought my phone just went off. Mr. Oliver had called in and uh, or, uh, had invited all the people who had been guests that season to yeah. uh, come and take a curtain call. So I got to listen to him do his rap with the audience before they actually start the show. The man is a brilliant, he's just a genius. He would get uh, questions that were com comedic, sort of he would have his quick wit, funny, and then very serious questions, which he answered. And uh, his mind is so sharp. And uh, that was that was a great joy to be part of that and come out and take a curtain call with the, the various cast of uh, crazy characters that had been on that season. It's, it's amazing. It's uh, I, I love that show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's one of the only shows where I cannot be eating anything while watching it because uh, I'm I'm worried about my safety and choking hazard. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. His wit is just it's just astonishing. Yeah, and his commitment. He's a he's a real activist too, and I admire that greatly. And tremendous work ethic. I, I I don't know you know the type of hours that he puts in, but from what I heard, it's he's he's there day in day out. It's and tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, one thing that that always you know kind of uh, looking at your career and uh, and seeing where you are, I always thought that Ed Harris should play your son. Uh, did that ever come about? You know, was there any discussions ever? There, no, but my uh, many people have said that, and uh, I can't tell you the number of times at different times over the years in LA and here that people have thought I was Ed Harris, which is a great compliment. Yeah, uh, I would love that. I think we would match up beautifully. Play his older brother. Yeah, great idea. Let's let's put that out there. Okay, he's a and, actor too. Uh, and he's amazing. He's such yeah. uh, such an amazing actor. Did you see the one he did of Pollock, the film about Pollock? Yeah, that was just astonishing. Yeah, I I loved him. Uh, you know, working with uh, with Clint um, uh, in the Absolute Power. I think that's the, that's the name of the movie. Um, oh, yeah, I, I loved him with uh, with Jim Carrey in uh, the Truman Show. He's just such such a versatile actor, and I remember him from. Even when uh, much uh, much younger, when he was with Melanie Griffith, uh, playing you know the father, and uh, she was the you know uh, prostitute, if you will. So uh, just he he has a lot of a lot of depth and uh, tremendous you know character work. So Ed, if you're listening, you know we we have uh, we have something that we can definitely do, or at least we can do a, a skit where uh, where you and uh, and Tom can uh, can get together and play family. So we'll try to do that. Yeah. And he attended Cal Arts. Oh, there you go. Although he was one of those guys who said, "I don't know, I'm going to go off." He did. I don't think he completed the program, wow. and uh, went off to San Francisco, I believe, and hooked up with Sam Shepard, and then and, and did quite well. So <laughs> you don't always have to finish your schooling. That's true. Um, I, I remember watching um, um, Russell Crowe, and he was on uh, James Lipton's, uh, you know, Inside the Actor Studio. And he said, I always, um, I always admired people with the degree and I always felt kind of inferior to them. And I kept on trying to get enough money so I can go and complete my schooling. But by the time I had the money to start my schooling, I already kind of learned everything that I wanted to learn because I was already an established working actor. 
So he never did it. Uh, but you know, he's one of the greatest actors of our generation. Oh yeah, outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. Those Australians. Uh, yeah, uh, he's you know New Zealand, Australian. He's kind of uh, both, but he's he's amazing. Um, yeah. I wanted to uh, to ask you is uh, kind of piggybacking back to uh, to what you said about applying uh, makeup uh, when you were uh, when you were on Star Trek. You know, put the alien makeup on me and I'm good. Um, different people approach uh, acting differently. Some people that I talk to are very much outside in. You know, it's what I'm wearing, or in this case, you know, makeup. It forms the type of character that you are, and then it continues, uh, you know, going through on the inside, and then you really connect to the character. Other people start on the inside, and then they take it out. What is your approach, and what have you found that works for you? I suppose I would fall into the category of outside in, although because I've studied with some great people uh, once I completed uh, uh, my training at CalArts and uh, came to New York, I took some classes with uh, some uh, members of the studio, the actor studio, and I have a, I think I'm in two worlds now, but uh, as a kid, I was a face maker. I was always the clown. It was a defense mechanism. My family moved a lot, and uh, I always felt a little bit outside. But I found if I could make people laugh, I was I was safe. And so uh, Jerry Lewis was one of my first idols, and I would do Jerry Lewis faces and all kinds of craziness. And uh, so I guess that's how I started. Uh, I look at the script and uh, think about what I would look like. Uh, and uh, that's my initial approach was that. So doing the Star Treks was great because you're in that and it does everything for you. Yeah. And uh, but I would say I'm I'm uh, now more realizing the importance of uh, finding me in the part. Mm -hmm. And so I would say over the years I've evolved, not evolved, uh, changed. Appreciating the interior work that comes first, and I guess I could apply that even to being an alien. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But uh, but I've read some wonderful, uh, great texts, and I appreciate. And I took uh, I was a member of a company in uh, Los Angeles that was very Stanislavski oriented. Yeah. So I would say that I've uh, transferred more to that type of work, yeah. finding. You always want to bring your truth to the yeah. part. And I, I didn't quite understand. Many years ago, someone said, Tom, be yourself in this role. Hmm. But I was such a unsure of myself. I didn't know what, what to do. Am I this? Am I that? Hmm. But I have a better understanding of that now. And I think uh, opening up and letting the material come in and digest and then come back out through I don't know if that makes sense, but that's that's kind of how I work now. Yeah, because it's your filter, it's your prism, it's your perception of it. So yeah, take it in, and then uh, you—it's still you, but in that uh, space as that character. So it is coming through you. That's what grounds you, and that's what allows you to be real in that uh, situation. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I'll do, uh, of course, with this quarantine, uh, there's not a lot going on in the, in the business, but uh, I'll work on Shakespeare. Sometimes I'll cold read. And uh, and that's a great exercise for an actor, I think, for voice yeah. and for everything. But, uh, and then I, uh, I took a workshop from Alfred Molina mm -hmm. and he said, 
forget scansion, forget, not, not forget it, but put that aside. What are you saying? What is being said? And then what are you saying with those words? And it's a wonderful exercise because Shakespeare is quite challenging for me. And uh, so I, I apply that. Uh, and I also, I, you probably know Dakin Matthews. Um, probably, but the name is ringing a bell at the moment. A ton of stuff. He's a great scholar, too, a great Shakespearean scholar. And uh, I took some workshops from him, and he very much works from the inside. Uh, he says you do have to understand the form, but you have to understand what these words are meaning to you, what, what, they, what they say to you. And yeah. uh, that's, that's very important, yeah. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, as as we wrap up, because I know that I, I have enough questions for you for the next two hours, but I want to be uh, you know kind to your time. Um, as we wrap up, um, you've done a lot. Uh, you've you've been practically in every show. Uh, I, I looked and I didn't find you in a couple of shows that I thought, well, he probably was there, like The Wire or you know oh, Billy. The Wire. That's another yeah. great one. It's yeah, it's it's my I think fourth on on my all time list. But um, yeah. you've done uh, pretty much everything. Is there anything you know left in your career that you're looking forward to doing that you haven't done yet? Well, I, I had uh, hadn't done a play in a while, and at the Public Theater, I was in a production of Coal Country, uh, this brilliant docudrama by Eric uh, Eric Jensen and uh, Jessica Blank. Uh, Jessica also directed it. And it closed because of the quarantine. But uh, I would like to get back to theater. Um, but um, at this stage of my life, I, I, I want to keep working. Yeah. And uh, I would like to do a film. I'd like to get back into to a film. But I'll take the jobs that come. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm happy if, if they come. And I, I would like to keep working. I, I saw Estelle Parsons not long ago in a play at the public. And uh, I marveled at her physical work and her acting. And I said, well, she's a lot older than I am. And look at her. Just look at her. And uh, that's what I want to do. I just want to keep working. Perfect. And at this point in your career, do you still have to audition? Or is it you know, mostly calls of a week? Unfortunately, I do. I'm going what? to talk to Ed Harris about this. OK. <laughs> no, I still do. And. Uh, well, every now and then a call like the uh, John Oliver show or something like that. But generally it's auditions mm -hmm. and self-taping, which I'm not really a fond fan of uh, self-taping. I did book a wonderful job, though, from a self-tape on Messiah, that uh, Netflix yeah. series. And uh, but I'd like being with people. I like interacting with real people. And that may not be for a while. So. Uh, yeah, uh, the more casting directors I talk to, the more they're saying that you know industry is changing, and there were a lot of self tapes already. Uh, yeah. You know, especially in places like you know L.A. or Atlanta, uh, they were doing a lot of self tapes uh, to begin with. But now, because of COVID, because of what's happening and the changes, it's likely going to be more and more of self tape and even auditions, uh, you know, virtually, like you and I are talking uh, to right now, uh, yeah. which for me. Uh, I find uh, a little more difficult because, you know, right now I'm looking at the camera. If I were looking at you, my eyes would be right here. Oh, and I've been looking at you, so I probably look very weird right now, but that's okay. But so it's like I'm, I'm much more of the I want that person. I want to see their eyes. I want to be affected by what's happening there. And if I'm looking at the camera, I'm missing it because right now you're just in my periphery. 
Um, right. Yeah. Okay. But, I'm, now I'm looking at the camera, but I don't feel I'm talking to you. So. Right. Yeah. I I get used to uh, I get used to as I'm doing all you know these interviews. I get used to you know my eyes being uh, at the camera, and then uh, I go through and I rewatch all of the videos to make sure that I actually see you because right now I see you on the periphery. I don't see your eyes, and I'm missing that part. Oh, oh, okay. I don't know well, what to do, but no, no, um, there's nothing that we can do, unfortunately. I, I haven't figured out a, a good way of having the camera here so I can still see you. So I don't know, maybe there's some sort of a contraption that we can have the camera, you know, this way. Uh, I, I'm yet to find something that works, and <laughs> you know, we'll we'll just make do with it as we can. It's um, the new technology, and I just don't know what I feel about it. I mean, I will do the auditions, of course, yeah. But I do miss that in-person contact, and uh, but it's a new age, and it maybe will be with us from here on. I'd like to think not, but it's hard to tell right now. Well, at least for the next, you know, almost six months or eight months, and then we'll see from yeah. there. You know, God willing. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. You know, because you. I'm gonna try to um, look at the camera. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Okay. Um, as as the last question, um, because you have done so much and you've been in so many things, if you met your younger uh, self right now and you had a chance to give your younger self one bit of advice, uh, what would that be? My younger self, uh, Tom, don't waste time doing so much foolishness, going out partying, mm -hmm. uh, which I did a lot of. Uh, and take dance classes. Hmm. I, I I exercise regularly. I do my voice work as often as I can. But I wish because uh, I was exposed to it early on. But I thought, oh, I'm not a dancer. I don't want to dance. But I I wish I had added dance to my my toolkit. Hmm. And uh, spend more time working on the craft and less time. Uh, I don't know, pursuing uh, being a hippie, which I did for a few years. So yeah. I think those two things I'd say to myself. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, very good advice. And, uh, you know, I certainly recommend dancing to everybody. In terms of uh, being an actor, my recommendations are you have to do improv and you have to do some sort of physical movement. So yeah. improv. I forgot that improv. I wish I had been exposed to that earlier on, too. That is priceless. I love watching improv. And I'll do it sometimes in classes or uh, sometimes you have some wiggle room with your script if you're working and you can improv. But the people who are really good at it are just, they're genius. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm kind of shocked uh, that I, I get a chance to talk to you uh, when I started the show on May 20th. Because, you know, I started the show. May 20th was, uh, was the first show. And... Um, my first guest was Michael Kostroff, and I I started it because I kept on taking uh, you know seminars and workshops with casting directors and producers and others, and I wanted to ask them a lot of questions and I didn't have an opportunity, so I thought you know what it's COVID time I'm home I'm going to start a show so I can talk to uh, to people who I admire who I want to learn from, and it's grown into this uh, thing and now you know only basically a month and a half later. Uh, I get a chance to talk to you who I've been watching for years. It's it's a 
surreal, amazing uh, feeling, and I, I can't quite process it uh, in the, in their real time. Well, it's been a, it's a great pleasure for me and bringing back some fond memories and inspiring too. And uh, I want to inspire all those actors. It's a tough time right now, but any young actor who feels drawn to it, go for it. It's a great art form. It's thousands of years old. Sometimes I think about that. that 2,500 years ago, some actor was sitting and going, gee, I hope I get it in Euripides. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, yeah. but uh, it's a great tradition. Yeah. Perfect. Thomas, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you uh, taking your time and, uh, and coming by. Um, I, in my research, I didn't see any interviews that you have done. I was surprised. I didn't see any written. I didn't see any video. Um, so the fact that you know, you came onto my show is is a treasure just on its own. So thank you for that. Well, Alan, I can't tell you how nervous I was. I kept <laughs> thinking, well, what if he asked me this? Or what if he asked that? My wife said, no, just just relax. Just be because I haven't done one before. So I hope you got something out of this. Oh, I tremendously. And uh, all the people watching uh, have gotten a lot out of it. So really appreciate it. Um, I'll send you a link to everything so you can uh, you can see it. And um, everybody who's uh, who's tuning in, thank you so much. It's it's my pleasure uh, you know, speaking to Thomas. I know it's your pleasure watching. Uh, continue watching. You know, just in in an hour and a half, I'm going to be speaking to another person that Thomas was uh, on in 1983 was on a uh, on a show with no, 1993. Excuse me. Uh, the This Boy's Life. One of the other people that was on there is Sean Murray who spent oh. 17 years on NCIS. He's coming on uh, in just about an hour and a half. So today is one of those days where I get a chance to really just kind of spaz out, pretty much. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And take care, everybody. Appreciate it.